Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, really 12, 13, and 14 are the three uh, Corinthian books that Paul wrote trying to get order to the spiritual gifts uh, that were happening in um, Corinth. Um, so today at, at Destiny, I've had uh, a, you know, a few times uh, where I've, I've had to kind of uh, get us back on the same page, realign uh, us in some areas. And um, um, as a leader, that's what a leader's job is. Uh, it's part of it. It's keeping us aligned with the vision, the mission of the house. And uh, the majority, it seems like at least, of Paul's writings are about getting people back on the same page. Because you understand, he's an apostle. He's going, setting churches up. He'll get one started in Ephesus, get one started over here in uh, Corinth, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, all these different places. And then, and then he leaves. So he doesn't have a whole lot of time to go deep. He's teaching, getting it started, and, and, and goes off. And then he leaves. And so they're left there with the knowledge that they have, and sometimes it wasn't enough, and so they kind of get off in the weeds a little bit, and then he'll, he, he would revisit those places, and uh, many times he would write these letters to them. There, he wrote at least three letters to Corinthians. One is lost. Somewhere it's out there, probably in a cave over in, you know, uh, Israel somewhere, um, but we don't know where that, that, that letter is or what it contained fully. But he writes these letters, and these letters are to, to call the church back to uh, a full understanding of, of what it was. And they would get off again, like I say, in the weeds on some of their teaching, and he would have to correct it and come back to it. And in this series we've been talking about, this is our series about uh, influence. So we, we went through a series in, uh, what was it, January on increase. Uh, we have started this one in February, and it's on influence. Uh, after the men's retreat, when, when I get back, we're going to start one on impact. And all of this is to help us get into our DNA. This is not just some little trendy thing we're doing. It's part of our discipleship. It's part of your and my hearing what God is speaking for this house and really uh, for, for me and, and you as a believer. And so uh, in this series about influence, the source of our influence is Holy Spirit. And we've been through a number of, of, of teachings on Holy Spirit, what he's calling us to do, how he's calling us to do it. And today I'm going to talk about really uh, the subject of speaking in tongues. And uh, I don't do a lot of that uh, here at Destiny because, you know, it's part of our culture. So I don't have to hit this too often. But in, in a crowd like this this morning, there could be people that are sitting here that, are, that you, you, you aren't familiar with that or maybe you've, you've been taught that, well, that's of the devil. You know, I mean, there have been people that have been raised, that's not of God, that's of the devil, it's demonic and... All, all of that. Uh, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. Be careful. 
about attributing things to the work of Satan. Because the scripture says that that's blasphemy. Like we think blasphemy might be using taking the Lord's name in vain. No, blasphemy is when you take something that God is doing and saying that's the devil. That's what blasphemy is. And so we need to be careful when we attribute things. Well, the devil, he's just been after me and he's whatever. Mm, is it the devil or is it God? Is it God spanking your hiney? Is it the Lord disciplining you? Well, the enemy just robbed me of that. No, maybe, but did God take it or did the enemy rob you of it? Was that becoming too much of an idol? Was it a source of pride? Like we have to really be careful when we're, when, when we're blaming stuff on the devil, all right? But when it, whenever I'm speaking about uh, tongues, all right, that's, that's a touchy subject uh, because so many people have, have these traditions and religion. And you probably didn't know it, but that's what I was doing while we were singing this song. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion because your way is better. Because we have religious mindsets and we have tradition that we've been taught certain things. And it's like, but is that of God? Is that of God? Have you even gone to study it out, to research it, and see what the Word says about these things? And when I, I remember, I had no faith background, none. Like, I might have been to a VBS once or twice, but I had no church background. And my parents decided to go uh, to this church just to get the preacher off of their back. I mean, he just hounded and hounded and hounded them. Hey, hound people. Hound people. Hound people. I'm so glad that Charles Jolly hounded my parents to the point where they're like, God, let's just go so he will shut up. Because that one day changed their life, my life, my, both of my sister's lives, later one of uh, my brother's lives. Like that one day changed our life. And I'm telling you, we walked into a church full of lunatics we walked in, and they were singing, and cr these folks were, you know, bat crazy. They were crazy. Running around the sanctuary, I'm telling you, they were nutso. And it wasn't explaining none of it. Like, you know, you just walk in, and it's like fire hose full on, you know. And, like, I'm just sitting there, dude, and we, my little sister and I, she was 10. I think I was 14, almost 15. And, uh, man, we were just having a heyday at these crazy folks, man. They have an altar call. If you don't know what that is, that's where we all come down to the front. And, uh, man, they are going at it. And, I mean, you know, the musicians, they're going at it. I mean, they're, like, banging on the keys. And I'm like, you know, they... And then, man, I'm just telling you, it was beautiful pandemonium. It was just, it was, it was ecstatic and beautiful and crazy and all of that meshed into one. And um, people speaking in tongues like I had never even heard of such a thing. Nobody explained what happened. They just did it and, you know, and, but my parents got saved that day radically saved. I don't mean they made a commitment to the Lord. And, you know, I'm talking radically saved. Went home, dumped all the liquor out, never had a drop of drink for the rest of their lives. Like, radically saved. And 
we began to go to that church against my will. But see, I didn't get a say in the matter. I lied. I told them I had a stomach ache. I had a different disease every Sunday. Like, I can't go. And my parents were just so dumb. They were just dumb. They were beautifully dumb. Because they're like, well, get up. If you're that sick, we'll take you down to the preacher and he'll lay hands on, on you and you'll get healed. You know, see, that's the only level of faith that they knew. They didn't know, like, boy, I will lay hands on you myself and I'll, the Lord will heal you by the laying on of hands, feet, belt, you know, whatever it takes, get out of that bed. You know, they didn't have a level of faith that they knew their authority in Christ. They didn't know their identity other than they were just newborn babies in, in Jesus. They didn't know. They just knew what they knew. And so we kept going back and kept going back and kept going back. And what was bizarre to me at first, all, you know, over a period of time kind of became intriguing to me. And I kept looking at these people and the joy that they had and the beauty of it and like it was just mesmerizing and, and chaotic and beautiful and, and, un, and mysterious and ununderstandable. And I remember there was an old pastor named Buell Pitts. He was from Alabama. I was from Mississippi, but he was from somewhere here in Alabama and, uh, and he was an evangelist and he came and I'm telling you what, we would have these uh, altar calls and things. I don't think I had given my life to the Lord uh, yet. And I came down, and I remember we were kind of over in this area of the church. And I went down. Man, I'm just 15 years old. I don't know anything about this stuff. But they had something that I wanted. I wanted their experience. I wanted what was going on with them. And, man, he laid hands on me. And I'm telling you, it was like a thousand lightning bolts went through my little body. And, uh, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit right then, right then. Like nobody explained it to me. Right then, right then. And ever since, uh, it, it's just been this beautiful experience. I didn't fully even understand it. But it's like, oh, I got this new gift. Like, um, like uh uh, Larry gave me a shofar the other day because I've always wanted one, you know, and I don't know why I never, never bought it. And now I know because like when somebody gives you a gift that you've wanted, it's so much more special. And so, um, so I'm like, I don't even know how to use it. I don't even know how to use it. But uh, I, after all of these people left at our uh, prayer night the other night, I went out and I'm like, I just, I just, I, I don't even know if I'm holding it right, but I just got it. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you what, we had stayed behind, had some little birthday cake and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm leaving here about 1030. Dude, at 1030, a shofar in the back church parking lot. I'm telling you, that, that sound goes far. And I'm like, after about, uh, you know, 10 of those blows, I'm like, I'm getting in my car and go home before they call the cops. And uh, so I, I've, I've gone through about every day and I've just kind of picked it up. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm holding my mouth right. Sometimes I'll do it and it's like, it's like, and the, the, the very next time I just, I, I just did, and the next time I'll do it and it'll be like, it sounds like a cow got stuck over in the day, you know, and I'm like, 
but I don't know how to fully use it. But I am going to get so good at that. I'm going to get good at it. So the same with speaking in tongues. I didn't know a lot about it, but I was thinking today, man, it's been like 40 years, 40 years. I, I, I'm older than I really think I am. Uh, you know, and, and I'm like, wow, that happened 40 years ago. And I've been in that, in that vein of just praying in the spirit all this time. Um, look at these verses of scripture. I've shared these with you last week, but I want to point out some different words. So when he's talking, once when uh, he's talking to, Jesus is talking to the people, uh, the disciples about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, go to Jerusalem, don't leave there until the Father sends the gift, the promise, the gift he promised, that's the Holy Spirit. As I told you before, and John baptized with water, that's water unto repentance or salvation, uh, like we'll have here in a few weeks. Uh, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized, remember, immersed. That's what that means. It means you're totally immersed. You don't just dip your toe in Jesus. Uh, like, man, if you, if you want to grow in him, you will get deep into him. He'll let you go as deep as you want to. But, but when you are baptized uh, in the Holy Spirit, you'll be baptized, you'll be immersed. Look at this. He says, but you will receive power. When that happens, there's a power that comes with it. That word power there is dunamis. It's the same word that we use for dynamite. It's a, it's a power that is there, but it's up to us to release the power. You know, dynamite's uh, just a, a, another, you know, thing. It's just another stick until the potential is released in that and the power is explosive. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses uh, telling the people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end parts of the earth, the outer parts of the earth. And look at this in Acts 1.8. It says, on the day of Pentecost, when they were all meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So there's some supernatural stuff that's happening here. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the holy spirit and began speaking in other languages the same it's the same word tongues in other languages in other tongues as the holy spirit gave them this ability shay and i have kind of been in that area the upper room doesn't exist anymore the actual place when where they were meeting now they have a place that they call the upper room and it's just a building that they built on what they think that site was and so uh you know we were up there and i'm like oh this is so cool to think like this must have been what it was really really like and you have to understand the supernatural occurrences that were going on. Like if you are in a service, like I'm, I'm just telling you, this is just me, this is just me, this is just me. But it ought to be everybody. When we are together in a place, we should expect supernatural things to come. Like I'm just saying, there are better things to do on a Sunday than to come hear me or to hear this band. Like there's just better stuff to do. There's, there's probably funner stuff to do. <laughs> Think about this. What makes her able to say no? Why? Because 
there's a supernatural element that you can't get at the beach. There's a supernatural element that you can't get at a ball game, on the golf course. You can't get some of these things there when we come together as believers. Yes, you can experience it out there, but when we come together in this place, we ought to expect supernatural things to be occurring when we come together in this place. That's a great place, white folks, that y'all should be clapping. You know what I'm saying? All right. Hey, hey, listen to me, black folks. Don't you let these white folks tone you down. Don't you? No, we we will sharpen you and you sharpen us in all the right places. Amen. Come on. But there's something supernatural that's happening in this place. They're praying. They're waiting. They've been promised this gift. And as they've been promised this, there's a movement of God that begins to happen you know what, and it has always puzzled me, like, I, can I just be transparent with you? Sometimes the Bible says stuff that I don't like. I don't like how it's phrased. I don't like, now there's places I love how it's phrased, but then there's places, and I'm like, the, the, the word tongue has always bothered me. Like, there appeared unto to them what appeared like tongues of fire, like, what does that even look like? I'm thinking of a tongue. You know, I'm thinking of a tongue. So what does tongue mean? The Greek word for tongue, everywhere that you see languages, tongue, the Greek word is glossa, and it's a known earthly language. Like French is a glossa. Spanish, French, German, I mean, English, those are all glossa. They're earthly languages. And then there is an unknown language. There's, it means an unknown language, like nobody knows it. Nobody knows it. And it could be like if somebody walked in here and started speaking some Asian dialect, I promise you, I wouldn't know if it was Vietnamese. I wouldn't know if it was Mandarin. I wouldn't know if it was Japanese. I wouldn't know. Why, it's an earthly language, but I wouldn't know. I can kind of put it in a category. I know it ain't Mexican, you know. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I, I know it's not Spanish. I know it's not, but I don't know what they're actually speaking. But it is a known language to some folks, not this old hick boy, but to some folks it's a known language. Or it could mean a heavenly language. And then the last one is physical tongue. So many times throughout scripture, if, if it says uh, a physical tongue, like touch, he touched his tongue, that's, you know, glosa. It wouldn't be in the Old Testament, of course, because that would be Hebrew. But tongues, anytime you see tongues, it, it means these things. And so many people are like, but is this tongue thing really legit? Like, man, it just sounds like a bunch of gibberish to me. It just sounds like, I'm just not sure about that. All right, I'm not sure I believe it. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. He's saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. That word uninformed can be translated as unlearned, ignorant, unskilled, or the, the Greek word is agnoeo. It means 
those things, and it's where we get our word for agnostic. Somebody who is agnostic is unlearned. They have no skill set about, about this. They're in a place of I don't knowness. I ain't made my mind up for it. I'm not for it or I'm not again it, as my you know grandma would say. They are just in this place of not knowing. And and uh Paul is saying to the Corinthians, like, hey, you've been asking me about information. You've been wanting to know about the spiritual gifts, and I want you to be skilled, knowledgeable. I want you to have a good knowledge base about these things so that you don't get off in cuckoo land. And he says, so I want to share, and then he begins to share in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he begins to lay out the structure and, and the substance of spiritual gifts. Now, um, you know, Pastor, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, those, those, those were for the early church. Those, you know, that, that, the, they, don't, they, they, they just don't exist today. That's not for today. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not even sure I believe in that. I just want you to check this out real quick. All right. Does anybody know what that means? Anybody know what that means? All right. Who does? All right. One, two, three, four. All right. Five, six. All right. Now, I will tell you this. If I just looked at that, I would not know what it was at first. But I would, I would be able to go, uh, Docs like HML, HML, XML, SOG. See, I already sound like I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> I would know it once I begin to read it and I'd be able to look at it and everything. Do you know that this is actually that? Look at this. This is, see, computers do not understand imagery. They only understand numbers, code, that's all. So, so that is what it looks like behind the veil of the computer. But nobody wants to look at that. That's what that page on the website looks like. Do you know that when you look at that picture right there, I don't, this, this is technically 1920 pixel, 1920 pixels. By this way, 1,080 pixels. That's, that's what that ratio is. And do you know that, that a computer doesn't see like you and I see images? A computer sees numbers. And so think about one being the dimmest that you can uh, make something. And think about like, I don't know how high the number would go. Let's just say 10,000 would be the absolute brightest. And between not, uh, zero, one, or whatever, and 10,000, well, let's just say up there, 1920, that every single one of those is an increasing number. Am I boring you? Is an increasing number of brightness. And so, have you ever seen a picture that's pixelated? You know what that means? Well, what, what that is, is if we blew that up, like bright, 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 each one of those little squares, all it is is a square and it's a pixel of color. And that number tells it what color to be. But when you put all of those beside each other and it might be one, 
10,000, 500, you know, and you put all of that together and then you zoom out, it looks like that. What is this? It's a code. It's a language. If you will, it's a tongue that everybody doesn't speak, but it's a reality and we experience it. All right? Do you know what language they're going to speak in heaven? I don't know what language it is, but it's, it, it's a language, and it's not going to be English, and it's not going to be Hispanic, or, or oh, there I go, Spanish. It's not going to be, you know, Romanian or German, or it's not going to be any of those. There is, a, there is a language. You understand, God invented language. We were all one language, but then, because at, back at the Tower of Babel, because their hearts were impure, they were, they, were, they were actually trying to, you know, rise up and become almost God-like. He, he spread them out and he confused their languages. He created different languages so that they would not be able to collaborate and, you know, uh, work their plan that was not a good plan. So there are these languages. Where were those languages before? Well, they were somewhere. They were in the concept of God. They were in his mind. And he just created them. Do you know, like, there's, uh, Shay and I were watching this little show the other night, and these kids at a, at a school, uh, they were watching this little show, and uh, the show was about sock puppets, and they all came up, created their own little language. And so throughout the whole show, it was this thing about where the kids would walk through, and they, the, the language was like, me, 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 me. And then the other student would go, me, 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 me. And it's like they knew what each other were saying. They just created this language. As simplistic as that sound, that is exactly what linguistics and language and tongues are. It does not take, my friend, a lot of intelligence to believe that there is a tongue that you and I know not of. If there are earthly languages that we do not know. You know when Wy uh, Wycliffe Bible College, uh, Wycliffe, they big into translating the Bible into all the different dialects around the world. They would have to go and in some of the tribes there was no written language. So there was only verbal language. Was it a language or was it not? No, it was just gibberish, man. We can't understand what these tribe people are saying. No, that's a language. Just because you don't know it, just because you've never heard it, just because you don't know how to speak it, that's a real deal. And so they would embed themselves into the culture and they would, they would begin to tell me, tell me, you know, what's this? Ugawe, 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 okay, Ugawe. This is, I'm writing this out. First, we got to get them an alphabet. You know, we got to get them an alphabet. They find out what their sounds are, the phonetics and all of it. And then they begin to, to put it down. And, and, and they would be like, Ugawe, Ugawe, Ugawe. That's not a real word, I don't think. But Ugawe, Ugawe, all right? And then what they would do, they would write down. They would write down and they would say, Ugawe, 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 Ugawe. And they would look at that. And now the people have learned a visible reference point for this. Is it hard to believe that there is a language that God has for us? Private power always precedes public power. I want, 
private power, say it with me, private power always precedes public power. When he says, and you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what did he tell them to do? You go to Jerusalem and you, you stay, you wait. Where were they when that happened? In the upper room, they were all together. They were seeking something. They were preparing themselves. They were praying. They didn't even know what they were praying for. They never knew anything about the Holy Spirit. They never have experienced any of of it. It was as new to them as any of it would be new to us. But what what they were doing, they were in a private place. He did not tell them, I want you to, to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to begin to go through the streets of Jerusalem and just begin to preach the gospel. He didn't tell them to do that. Why? Because they needed the power from their private experience so that they could go into the public arena and then display that power. I want you to look at this. There are a couple of examples I want to share with you. And even though this is not about the Holy Spirit, it is about the power of prayer. And so because it is about the power of prayer in private and then the actions in public, you can say, wow, if that's so powerful... Think of how much more the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It doesn't discount it. It actually um, um, increases the value here. When Jesus sent the disciples out, they went out and... uh, And they go out and they begin to try to cast out devils. They come back and they say, listen, I don't know what we did, but something didn't work. Either you didn't teach us right or blah, 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 blah. And Jesus said, well, tell me what you, all about it, what happened. And they're like, man, we tried to cast these devils out and it just was not working for us. And he's like, oh, so, okay. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers with rulers of darkness. And you guys came upon some principalities. Those boys don't leave just because you ask them too nicely. Like those kind only go out by prayer and fasting. Like you were trying to do it in the moment. You need to go back and get in your closet and, you know, and, 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 you know, prepare yourself spiritually. And so they went back out. And when they did, they went back to Jesus and said, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. Oh my, you, you're not going to believe this. Like they, they bow, they, 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 they leave, they, you know, scatter. And then the seven sons of Sceva, what is that? Acts 18, 19. In Acts chapter 19, um, these seven sons of one of the leading priests. So these boys knew all about religion. They knew all about uh, the, the, uh, the temple and everything. And so um, they probably had begun to hear about the way, which is what, the, what Christianity was called in its early stages. They had begun to hear about this new Messiah and, and different uh, movings of God. And so they begin to go and try to cast these devils out and do things. And man, I tell you, I, this, I used to love telling this story to kids and kids' church and youth ministry. But man, they walked up on <clears throat> one old cat and uh, they're like, in the name of Jesus uh, that Paul preaches, come out, come out. And he's like, what? What did you say to me? In, 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 the, na- in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, uh, Paul uh, and G- you know, I command you to come out. He's like, <clears throat> you say that one more time, I'm going to slap the taste out of your mouth. <laughs> now, I'm improvising here. But, dude. That guy whipped them naked. 
I mean, they didn't just get a couple of punches. The scripture says he ripped their clothes off. They got such a whipping. What happened? They were trying to get their public on before they got their private on. And so many times, guys, I'll see people. I will see them, and they will be trying to get their public on, but they ain't got their private on. They'll stand behind a pulpit, and it's like, uh, man, you need to go get your private on. Uh, I, I'll, I'll see people, and it's like, man, the music's good, but y'all need to go get your private on. You got your, you got your notes right. You, got, you, 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 you synced up, man. You sound good, but it's lifeless because you got to bring your private when you come into the public. If you come into the public and you have not been with him in private, see, when the disciples went forth throughout Judea and Samaria and all the, over the place, the, the, the people said, I know that they have been with Jesus. I know they've been with him. Well, how did they know? Because they saw them moving in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. They saw him, them talking. They were, they were using the same language that he was using. And they knew, I know you've been with him. Man, when people look at us, they need to look at us and know that we've been with him. And you don't have to, I'm just telling you, man, you ain't got to announce yourself I never, I never, I, Rife Stewart, am an apostle. Some of y'all don't believe that because you don't understand. I'm not a foundational apostle. There were only 12 of those. But because I'm a disciple of apostolic succession, I am an apostle. Apostles are just basically missionaries, and they plant churches, and they help facilitate planting churches. They are bishops. They check on churches. I'm a prophet. I'm moving the prophetic, but I don't just move in that gift. I'm a prophet. But I never, I never walk up, ever walk up and say, you know, hi, I'm Apostle Rife Stewart. What? Hi, I'm prophet, prophet Rife. No, like I don't do that. Some people like to announce me like that in their circles, and I I let them do their thing. But I am not going to announce myself like that. I'm just a son of God, and that's my position in the body that he put me in to, to do the work of the ministry. But I don't need that kind of stuff because when I step up, I'm just going to tell you, I've been in the presence of the Lord. When I step up, I've already heard a word from the Lord. If I haven't heard a word from the Lord, I will tell you I ain't heard God say anything. Let's wait on him a minute. Do you understand? Because the private time is the most important time. If I have not got that, the public time is a lot harder. The public time then becomes all about me. It becomes about my persona, how I'm dressed, the inflection of my voice. Did I stutter? Did I miss anything? Did I misquote a scripture? You know, it becomes all about me. But when I've just been in his presence and he said, this is what you say, this is what you talk about. This is what you say, this is what you talk about. All I have to do is say, hey, this is what God said and this is what he told me to talk about. So here it is. Do with it what you want. Jesus did the same thing. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Some of y'all are going to hear. Some of you are not. I'm not going to try to force it. I'm not going to try to force it down you. I'm just not. Like, it's up to you. And so private power always precedes public power. Now, when we're talking about the gift of tongues, we're talking about four kinds of tongues, four kinds of glossa. 
All right, four kinds of glossa. All right, don't let your eyes glaze over because I know this is a lot of teaching. I know it is. There's two that are for public tongues. Two that are for public tongues. You find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One is tongues for unbelievers. This is, these are, this is a miracle that if, if we were to hear this, I've only experienced this one time in my entire uh, life as a Christian. In 40 years, I've only experienced this one time. And it wasn't exactly like the book of Acts, but it was the closest that I've ever seen. All right? This is a miracle. This is where I've never spoken Russian before, and I begin to speak in Russian fluently. Like, that's, that would be a miracle if that happened. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what happened. They were not talking gibberish tongues. They were talking tongues that were earthly languages. Because we know this because they said, how is it that these guys are Jews, but we hear them in our native tongue? We hear them speaking in, in the tongue, in the dialects from Pamphylia, Phrygia, and all of these other places. How is it that we hear them? Because we know that these are not skilled. These ain't professors at USA. These are not professors at UAB. These are not professors at, you know, all, well, does Auburn really have professors? No, I'm just joking. That was for you, Dean. That was for you. These are not skilled people. And they're like, how is it that they speak so fluently in our languages? Why? Because it's a miracle. This was a miracle. And that's why it was a sign for those unbelievers. So that it would draw them. Because what they were doing, they didn't know what they were saying. They were just speaking out in tongues, but, but it was languages that they heard, and they're like, who would, I hear my language. Like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in a foreign, have you ever been in a foreign country, those of us who have had the privilege to travel, have you ever been in a foreign country, and it's like, man, it's whatever country you're in, you have not heard anybody speaking, and all of a sudden, you're in the marketplace, and it's like, oh, guy from, Taterville, Kentucky is over there speaking and it's like, oh, English, English, English. And you and old guy from Taterville, y'all become best friends in the middle of South Africa. Why? Because you heard your native tongue and it, and it, and it drew you. That's what this was. So there's those. Um, I don't know if y'all remember it, but Rochelle, you were there and Maxie, you were there uh, as, as teenagers on a missions trip, and we've got churches, multiple churches together, lots of young people, and I think this was kind of like our last night, and uh, I may get this wrong. I think I'm going I'm to try to get it right. There's, there's a, a Hispanic girl, if I remember correctly, and she gives a message in tongues. Well, we knew it was a message in tongues because they just kind of sound similar. We knew it wasn't Spanish that she was speaking. So there was an interpretation after that. But the person who interpreted it, interpreted it in Spanish. And we're like, we don't know what the tongue said. And then they spoke in a tongue that we know that tongue a little bit, but we don't know it enough to understand what was said. And then right after that, I believe it was Talia Dodge, who gave the interpretation, that's another kid uh, who was in our youth group, um, she gave an interpretation in English. So follow me. Hispanic young person gives a message in tongues. Another Hispanic person interprets it in Spanish. And then 
This young girl interprets it in English. And the interpreter for, for our travels said, guys, I don't know if you know what just happened. They said, I was fixing to interpret the interpretation in Spanish because I knew that y'all, a lot of y'all don't know Spanish. But as soon as I was getting ready to do that, that young lady gave the interpretation of the Spanish. Is that not cool? And she didn't know Spanish. So I, that is as clo- that's not exactly the same. It is apples and oranges. You know, it, no, it's oranges and tangerines. It's a little bit different, but man, it's close. And it was just such a powerful moment that you can't make that stuff up. The second public tongue is for interpretation. And he talks about in, um, in, in the scripture there, he says, you know, if there's a tongue that, is, that comes forth in service today, and none has come forth that we know of, uh, or that, that has happened today, and we don't know that there will be any today. But when we hear that occasionally in our church, then there has to be an interpretation to that. Paul says, if there's not an interpretation that does this body no good, and, we, and you, you do not need to be doing that. If it happens one time, there's no interpretation. Was that person out of line? No. Maybe the person that had the interpretation didn't yield. I know that's been me before. I knew I had the interpretation, but I'm like, I mm-mm. And I didn't. But if, if that happens one time, do we go home and go, man, the devil was at work in service today. Those people are heretics at Destiny Church. No, there wasn't. A, no. But what if we come back the next week and there's a tongues and there's no interpretation? Okay. It happened a couple of times. We come back again. There's tongues, no interpretation. Do you see what's happening? That's a problem, folks. That's a problem. Paul is saying you cannot do that. You cannot do that. If there is a tongues and interpretation go together and the two of them equal prophecy. The two of them are equal to prophecy. So you can't do that. And so he's saying when there is tongues and interpretation and that's gifts of the Spirit, these are the two instances for public worship. All right, so one's a miracle and one is for, uh, is for gifts of the Spirit. Then there are two for private. And here's the first one, tongues for personal prayer or singing. He, he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I will pray in the Spirit. I will sing in the Spirit. I'll sing in the Spirit. Like I'm just telling y'all, songs in Spanish that you try to sing in English, mm-mm. It's not pretty. Like, you try to, uh, I mean, there, I, I don't know Spanish, but if, if I did, you know, and, and, you know, they would be singing it, and it would be like, Yo quiero taco bell, you know, gracias por Dios, you know, and I mean, it sounds so good, but, it, but if you translate, you know, into English, it doesn't sound good. It sounds like, you know, they're, they're singing something, it sounds like a love song, and it's like, I was walking my dog to the park because my daughter gave it to me and da-da-da-da. And it's like, yeah, that just doesn't sound good. 
But in Spanish, it sounds amazing. So, you know, when we sing in tongues, like there's this singing in tongues. Like you can sing in tongues. You can sing in a language. You can pray in a language. And in these two scriptures, really three up there, it talks about praying in the spirit. It talks about praying in the spirit on every occasion. Like, in other words, that's a continual part of my life. It's, a, it's not a one and done kind of deal. It's a, I'm praying wherever I go. And then there's tongues for intercession. Now, uh, there are times, and these are like groanings. This is, this is it, it's a mysterious kind of time. When we, there are tongues for intercession, and I can't explain it. You just have to grow into this, okay? You just have to grow into it like I'm growing into that shofar. You will, you will be in, in, in a place and all of the sudden the Holy Spirit will begin to pray through you. And as you pray, are praying, I promise you, it is like uh, how, I, how I see it in my head is like when you're watching and you want to fast forward through a movie and you hit times two, times six, times eight, times 32, times 64, and, and, it, and it, it exponentially increases. Man, when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I will see things. Just There's flash. I'm praying in the Spirit. And man, it's just stuff flashing in my, before my eyes. And I can see, I'm, it's like I'm a bystander and I just see Holy Spirit. Man, just praying for all of these things that it would take me hours to preach. And some of the stuff like I wouldn't even know. And the, and the Lord is just doing that. And in Romans uh, 8, 26 through 28, we like that, that 28 verse because it says, and we know all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and called according to his purpose. But if you called according to his purpose, what does that mean? Well, if you back up to verse 26 and it starts talking about there are times when we get in the spirit and we begin to, to the spirit begins to pray through us in, in groanings that we cannot understand. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's throwing uh, uh, flowing out of you and, 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 and like a word that it's not a very pretty word, but I'm like, it's just like you vomit it out. I'm like, you know, it's that forceful with power and Holy Spirit is just like it's flowing and then there are times when you'll see people praying and they will wail they will wail I had a person one time to come to me and say you know and it's like it's it's hard for me sometimes I I sort of feel like Jesus sometimes with the religious folks because he was always real nice to the to, to the people who didn't know better but when it came to church folk he was tough like he was tough. See, I know some of y'all think that I'm too tough. Pastor Rife, you don't know what they've been through. Pastor Rife, you don't, you're just too hard. Guess what? Y'all need to be hard. We need to be hard on us. You and me, because we should know better if we've been in it, especially if we've been in it. But you also understand this is not the main place of evangelism. You understand that, right? That is a lie that some man has taught us that we bring people to church to get saved. Praise God that that happens. It happened to my family. But you understand understand that's supposed to be happening mostly out there and when it happens in here it's like a beautiful phenomenon that we love but in this house this is where we sharpen ourselves sharpening is not always pleasant it's not coochie coochie and gucci 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 it is about getting people in alignment with what God wants us to do and now go out in power to do it and so there are times um 
where, where I will have somebody, they will come to me and they will say, I just didn't un- understand that and agree with it. And they were telling me that they didn't understand. And I'm like, my God, bro, how long have you been in church, man? And I mean, I don't say it to them just like that. I'm just, you know, kind of adrenaline trusting right now. I'm like, I don't say to them, my God, man. But in my heart and in my words, I'm like, so listen, you've been in church for a very long time. I'm surprised you have never heard this before. Do you understand? You can talk to people like that. It's the truth in love. Like, man, you've been saved for 40 years and you've never heard this? Hmm. Wonder who else said that? Paul said, brothers and sisters, how long have y'all been saved? Man, you're still sucking on your mama's breast. You are sucking on the teat, man. You should be mature and eating the, the, the meat of the word because you've been in the faith too long. Like, it's time to get off the bottle. It's to, time to get off the shallow stuff. Like, those are the words of the apostle Paul. And I said to this gentleman, I said, man, I'm surprised that you've never heard that before. Have you never heard that the Spirit prays through us in groanings that we cannot understand? And if you knew her story... Mm, Come on now. If you knew her story, you know why she can wail like that. If you knew, if you understood where she's been through. But what's happened to you? You are over here practicing all your religion and all your tradition. Because your way is better than God's. Because your way is better than God's. You need a God we can dumb down. You need a God who is simple as you are, not as big. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like we try to take God and dumb him down to our understanding. Listen, it is the epitome of arrogance to say, You better explain yourself to me. He does not have to explain himself to us. He does not have to explain himself to us. He is gentle. He is kind. And there are just some things that he will not be able to explain to us because we have a finite capacity. So tongues for private, tongues for public. All right. Acts chapter 19. Well, preacher, I'm just telling you, You've laid out a compelling argument. But I just don't believe that's for today. That was for the disciples and that was for, you know, blah, 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 the birthing of the church. And while everything you just said is true, there's an and, there's a but. All of that is true and it's for us today. In Acts chapter 19... Acts chapter 19, we're only 19 chapters away from the day of Pentecost in pages, but we are 25 years in the future. So Paul in chapter 19, Paul, Pentecost happened 19 years ago. Paul is coming back through, um, uh, what is Ephesus, I believe. He's coming back through Ephesus. And in verse 1, he's, while, while Apollos was in Corinth, Uh, So let me just stop there. Oh, this is good. All right. Jump up to verse uh, 24 in in 18. Chapter 18. All right. So the Apollos that he just referenced, 
Jump up to 18, uh, uh, chapter 18, verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew Scripture well, who had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. Alexandria was the, uh, was, was the greatest known intellectual city uh, in that part of the world. It, like philosophers were born out of uh, uh, these out, out of Alexandria. Apollo studied there. Um, verse 25, he had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. All right, he taught it with accuracy, what he knew up to the level that he knew. He taught it with accuracy. But look, look, it says, however, he knew only about John's baptism, meaning there's another. And we know that there was another because in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 3, uh, John said there was another who would come and baptize you with fire. His name is Jesus. Verse 26 said, when Priscilla and Aquila, these are two basically apostles that were left there by uh, Paul. When Aquila and Priscilla heard uh, Apollos preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. I love that. Like Apollos, man, he is learned. He, he's knowledgeable. He's preaching with fire and passion in the synagogue. And Aquila and Priscilla hear him teaching. And they're like, oh, but he, he, he obviously doesn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's go talk to him. And so they found out that he didn't, and they, begin, they just take him to another level in his spiritual understanding, okay? Now, verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled throughout the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. He found them. He doesn't know these believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Like, okay, isn't that a strange question? Just stop right there. Like, he's just talking to him. Like, I'm sure there's lots more conversation here that, you know, did not get uh, put into the scripture. Uh, but he, he gets around to the important question that is included in scripture by the Holy Spirit. Do y'all know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you think that's an important? It's like... He's not asking, what's your favorite, you know, dish at Taco Bell that you like? He's not talking small talk. He's like, this is important. So if it's important for the Holy Spirit to put it here and the apostle to put it to the believers, it's important to us. And he says, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we haven't uh, even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Wow. So Paul plants this church, gets some leaders uh, up. He goes off on another missionary journey to Pamphylia, Phrygia, and all these places. But now he's swinging back through, and he's, he's stopping off at this church in Ephesus that he planted. And like, wow, they've left out some pretty important stuff. And he's like, man, i got to swing back around and do this. And we haven't heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? They replied. I'm in verse 3. And they, re and they replied, uh, the baptism of John. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told us to believe in the one who would come after him, meaning Jesus. He said, one is coming after me. I'm, I'm not reading this. I'm telling you this from Matthew chapter 3. He said, one is coming after me. I baptize you unto repentance, unto salvation. But one's coming after me. He's going to bring a second work of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Like, I'm telling you, 
when somebody, listen, 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 listen. Somebody that is not passionate about, uh, about the Lord, I'm just telling you in case you're wondering, you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're not, you're not. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there, there is a fire. There is a fire. It is a baptism of fire. What do I mean by fire? I'm talking about that you're passionate. You're passionate. And I get it. Passion exhibits itself in certain ways. Passion doesn't, you know, doesn't look like this to everybody. I totally get that. I totally get that. But whatever you will be passionate about, it will be obvious to people. I love Chris Valentine's quote. He says, it, you, you should, it should be uh, clear what you're passionate about. Like, it should be unmistakable. There should be no question that you are passionate about it. Why? Because you will not shut up about it. You will not stop talking about it. And there are stuff in your house that, you know, uh, that, that indicates that you're a fan of that or you're this or you're that. And it could be any number of things. But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire, I'm telling you what, folks, that's why I get so keyed up when it comes to worship. Because I do not understand how people cannot engage in biblical uh, expressions of worship. You don't have to worship like I do. You don't have to put your hands in the air if you don't. Maybe you want to lay down on the ground like this. There are some folks laid down, you know, to, today, the other day. Maybe you want to lay down. Maybe you want to lay down like this. Maybe you want to put your hands up in the air. Maybe you don't want to do that at all. Maybe you just want to sit in a chair and, and, and you just want to sit there like this. But I'm telling you what, it is not, it is not okay for a believer who is baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire to come in and do this. It's just not. You are, you, are, you are saved, I'm assuming. You are going to heaven. You are going to make it in the rapture. You are. You're eternally secure. But listen, that's what baptism unto repentance is. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is for life here on earth. It's for the hell you're going to face tomorrow. It's for the tribulation you're going to face tomorrow. It's for the onslaught of the enemy that you're going to face tomorrow. It's for those kairos moments that we prayed about earlier that you're going to come in contact with. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. It's for on this side of eternity. And we're going to spend a long time on that side of eternity. But man, we're also going to spend a long time on this side of eternity. And it's like we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. So, as soon as they heard this, they weren't like, oh, Felix. Y'all don't remember Felix? He was one of the Jewish leaders. And uh, I think he was Jewish. He might have been Roman. But the point being, Paul stands there, shares the gospel with them. And, and Felix is like, man... Woo, you almost compelled me. You almost won me over. But let me come back another time uh, when it's more convenient. I've had time to think this over. I'm going to mull it over. I'm going to mull it over and come back. We never hear of Felix again. We never hear of Felix again. We don't know what happened to him. Maybe he came to the Lord. Maybe he didn't. Maybe somebody else. But he never found his way into here. He passed it up. But not these guys. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're talking about baptized in the Holy Spirit. They didn't go get back in water. They didn't go get back in water. 
they, Paul laid hands on them. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke in other tongues. And they prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. 25 years later, Holy Spirit is still active. We're already well into the planting of the church. We're already, the church has already been established. It was established 25 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Listen, I'm just telling you, I've tried to lay it out as succinctly as I can. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for me. You don't have to activate it if you don't want to, but you will be walking around with, with, a, with a lack of power. I'm telling you what, I'll have people that will call me and they'll say, Pastor, I want you to come pray for, I'm like, hang on a second. Like, what's my prayer going to do that yours can't? Like, I will come pray for them, but like, what's, because the same Holy Spirit that's in me should be in you. Like, and how long have you been in the church? This is one of those truth uh, uh, in love conversations. How long have you been in church? Like, you don't know your authority. You don't know the authority that you have in Christ. You don't know that you're a son. You don't know that you're a co-heir with Christ. You don't know that you have these gifts of the Spirit available to you. Well, I never use them. Well, pick them up and start using them. Because you have them. You have them. And I will come pray for them. But what about you? You lay hands on them. All right? So, say it with me. Private power always precedes public power. Three reasons to pray because it prepares and it protects us for my destiny like you have an assignment this week Holy Spirit is going to lead you into an, a destiny this week it might be at the grocery store the service station in your family something is coming your way I'm not telling you something foreboding I'm tell, and it might even be foreboding but I'm telling you it doesn't matter we don't walk in fear when, when the enemy tries to what, what have we got? We got Holy Spirit. We've got Holy Spirit. I will open up a can of Holy Ghost just real quick, I, just very quick. So it prepares me and protects me from my destiny, provides direction and encouragement for the church when there is a message in tongues within this body of believers. It is, God is always giving us direction. He's always encouraging the church. And this is the last one. It prevents me from praying in the flesh. When I pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not going to be praying in, in, in the Spirit through you and, and be going like, well, you know, he, he needs to hook up with this, with this woman that uh, he met, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, and, 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 but he doesn't really like his wife right now. I'm, what I, I'm trying to tell you that, Father. He... he Holy Spirit is not going to pray that way. Holy Spirit is not going to pray that way. But I promise you, we will let our flesh influence our prayers many times, and we'll end up uh, because we've called those things that, uh, that are not as though they were, and that works in the positive, but sometimes we call those things that should be not as though they were, and we end up with them. Come on, man. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting. All right? But when I pray in the Spirit, the Spirit does not pray wrong. The Spirit does not pray unselfishly. The Spirit who loves me unconditionally prays in my favor when there are times. I, 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 come on, man. I'm, I am the only person, I guess, in this room that goes, God, would you kill them? Wipe out their descendants to the third and fourth freaking generation. Just kill them all. 
None of y'all ever feel like praying that way. Holy Spirit, when you begin to pray, Holy Spirit begins to pray through you. And Holy Spirit is saying, He doesn't understand what He's going through. He's hurt. He's, he doesn't mean those things. Those are feelings, emotions that He's turned over to me because He doesn't want to pray in His flesh. So, Father, I'm praying that, you know, that he will love his enemies, that he will love those who despitefully use him and persecute him, and you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. So are, are you, you following me? Because I'm just telling you, some of y'all might be dead. <laughs> um, and I'd be dead too, right? Y'all, mm-hmm, that lady don't even know me, and she's going, I would kill you in a second. <laughs> oh, so real quick. So Paul says this. Paul says, I wish all of you could speak in tongues, but even more wish that you could all prophesy. Well, that's Paul saying that. No, you don't understand. There's not a word in here that Paul is Paul's. There's not a word in here that's Jude's. There's not a word in here that's Moses's. It, all Scripture is God-breathed. <laughs> it's Holy Ghost. It's the Ruach of God that wrote this under the inspiration these men penned these words. So when Paul says, I wish, well, who's he? God is saying, I wish all of you would speak in tongues. I wish all of you would prophesy. But look at this in verse 14, 38. Paul says this, but if you do not recognize these teachings, you will not be recognized. Another, another way to translate that, um, that word recognized uh, is that same word for Gnosticism. Or, or not Gnosticism, agnostics. Um, so, but if, you, uh, but if you want to be ignorant then be ignorant. Another translation. If you, if you want to be unlearned, then be unlearned. Um, if you don't want to go any further, then stay where you are. That's what that means. What he's really saying there, he's saying, um, hey, these are the teachings from the apostle that I heard straight from Holy Spirit. If you call yourself a prophet or an apostle, these are the verses right before this. He says, if you call yourself a prophet and apostle and do not accept these teachings, if you don't recognize these, you will not be recognized as an apostle in this house. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Wow, that's harsh, isn't it? <laughs> Sounds like it. All right, say it with me one more time. Private power always precedes public power. How can I activate this message today. One, seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just seek it. If you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, it'll be open. Like, you just ask, and it will happen. I promise you, if you want it, it will happen. Now, there are ways for you to activate that. We don't have any time to go into that. Maybe I'll share that with you later. Or, what if, I got this bright idea, what if you just go investigate? If you don't know, what if you just go investigate? I preached a message like this many, many years ago, probably 15 to 20 years ago. And a lady called me up later in the week and she said, Pastor Rife, I just wanted to tell you, I was kneeling down beside my bed praying and before I knew it, I was speaking in my prayer language. It happened at her bed. It happened weeks after the message. Seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Practice your prayer language. It's not a one and done deal. It's something that's over and over and over and over that you do and you become more and more familiar with it. All right. So stand with me. Jesus 
he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That's all he did. He just said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he just breathed on them. And so this is what I'm saying to you today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you want to remain where you are, God will let us remain where we are. But man, there's so much more that we could do. Receive the Holy Spirit. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, I receive you. I receive you fully into every area of my life. I will make room for you. Come and do what you want to do in my life and not what I want. God, here is where I lay it down. I lay, it, I lay down my pride. I lay down my insecurity. I lay down my not knowing. I, you know, there are people in this room that you got to know all the details. And God's just like, you just need to trust me. Lay it down. Receive the gift. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is going to begin manifesting himself in you. Amen. Pastor Rife, how do I speak in tongues? You just start doing it. Is there anything in particular that I am supposed to say? Whatever comes to your mind. What if it's wrong? It won't be. What if it doesn't make sense? It will not. What if I feel funny and weird? You will. You will. You will. Do you... When Larry gave me the shofar, I didn't want to blow it. But I did that one time, right? I did. And I did a good job. I did. I, you know why I didn't want to do it? Uh, but he gave it to me. And he's like, all right, do it. And I didn't want to do it because I didn't know how. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to look like an idiot. I didn't want to do it, and it comes out sounding like a cow in the ditch. But you know what? I put that thing with no experience, and I blew it, and a beautiful note came out. You just got to step out. You just got to step out. Rochelle, get the microphone right there. You just got to step out. Let's hear the word of the Lord. The Lord's moving right here. Here. Um, what the Lord's saying, and he's bringing to my heart several times a spirit of control. Mm -hmm. And he just wanted to highlight that a lot of times a spirit will operate in us and through us and hinder us. Mm -hmm. And there's a spirit. So this is a word of knowledge for someone that's here, that there is a spirit of control that's in operation in your life. And he's saying, you can trust me. That we try to operate in our own human power and we try to understand this teaching and we try to contain it in a way that's familiar and comfortable. And he said, I'm a God of order and I am a perfect gentleman and that's I right. am not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to position you in a place that's going to get you in the flesh. I'm going to take you into a spirit place, but a spirit of control is Secret keeping you place. contained in a box that you're trying to understand. You want to know what it looks and feels like before you step into it. And that is anti-faith. But Come he on. said, if you will release this to me, and if you will walk from a position of faith, I will show you all of the things that have been held back because you have allowed a 
spirit of control to operate. And let me say this. That is not a condemning message. That's right. That's not a condemnation. That is a conviction. And those are very different. We all have times where control tries to seep in because from a human place, we try to walk in what we know. And God's saying there are things that you don't know. There are things that you've never heard of that you've never experienced. And if you will step into the things of me, I will release you into those things. But a spirit of control will hold you back. And so he's just calling us today from a gentle place of conviction to say, is this operating in me? It's not that we are being controlling. It's that we're allowing that spirit of fear to hold us back. I hear the word of the Lord saying to us today. uh, You have operated in your flesh for too long, says the Lord. You have operated in your gifting, says the Lord. You have operated in the gift of your speech, says the Lord. Things that I gave you, but it is without anointing. And that is why you have experienced. Listen to the Lord. That is why you have experienced frustration, says the Lord. Because you have not operated within the spirit. You have operated within your gifting. And I am calling you back to that secret place to make room for me. Pick up the weapon of your warfare of spirit, language, of tongues. Pray to me in the spirit. Draw close to me. The anointing is in my presence and you will walk out as Moses walked out to the Israelites glowing. But the people will not say, cover your face this time. They will say, show us the glory. Take us to that place where you have been.